pleasant good morning. <laughs> What's good, brother? That's how we gonna start the show. I love it, man. Little little gospel riff. Yeah. <laughs> About to spit some gospel truth. Already above. Just had me a beautiful breakfast with the family. I bet you did. <laughs> Praise White Jesus. <laughs> yeah, let's get into it. Greetings, greetings. This is Bashiri, and I'd like to welcome you to the 32nd episode of the Love, Peace, and Confrontation podcast. Of course, I greet you in love, peace, and confrontation. Black man, I love you. Black woman, I love you. Black babies, I love you. What will we tell our sons? Let's get out here and be the light. Let's recognize that we are the solution, that we house the wherewithal and the capacity to mitigate and resolve many of the issues that are pervasive in our communities. Moreover, let's uh, come to the fact and, and understand that we are the answers to the prayers that we pray and or articulate and that ultimately we are the gods that we seek. Our religions be damned. If it does not serve you, you should not serve it. Let's go ahead and take full advantage of the inexhaustible energetic ingenuity that's part and parcel to the melaninated mind and overall black experience. Black man, what up? Black woman, what up? Black babies, What's good? Here we are in our 32nd episode of the Love, Peace, and Confrontation podcast. And we're back at it again. Got my good brother on, A.T. Trey Stu. What's good, You know what we're getting at. We're getting that Cosby. Huh. Getting that cannabis. And huh. we're getting that calculus. Couldn't leave it alone. <laughs> so, um, you know, our last episode, we kind of just set the ground, the ground floor, the, the framework for how we're going to be um conceptualizing all of the subject matter at hand so we, we we had to understand the lens by which we're going to look through uh, certain aspects of what we want to talk about we got at the social underpinnings of what shapes the consciousness what shapes the contours of the ways that we perceive and the ways that we think about um many matters that occur in the social spaces and man we filled up a, a whole hour, and we still only scratched the surface. And yeah. I, like I'm still itching. I'm itching rather <laughs> deep, deeply. Still itching, yo. So, my man, um, you said a few things that that um, really had me chewing since the last time we spoke. And one of the things you said, you said that um, you believe that it's possible to chew gum and walk at the same time, <laughs> and. <laughs> And from that idiomatic expression, you went on to articulate that uh, Mr. Cosby, putting some respect on the name, um, could both be a rapist, right? And at the self-same time, been a victim of a miscarriage of justice. And oh boy, oh boy, was that a mouthful. <laughs> um, Yo, pick up from there, right there, because I want to I wanna give you some pushback on that, but I don't want to put words in your mouth. Yeah, yeah, nah. I want you to go ahead and establish that. I mean, when I, when I talk about that, I, I, I guess we're now separating uh, my personal feelings towards a situation versus the legality of a, of, of a situation. In, in this particular case, right? Right. What what Mr. Cosby was found guilty on wasn't actual evidence towards this particular case. He was prosecuted and ultimately convicted off of evidence to a prior case. 
that was supposed to be locked, closed and sealed. So what we're essentially saying is uh, in, in um, legal terms, it's called double jeopardy. You're not allowed to be charged for the same crime twice. So in this particular case, he actually was found not guilty, but to not be able to pay a certain fee or whatever like that, he had to allocate to some things. And even if you listen to the actual you know, case file, he doesn't actually admit to rape per se. He does admit to, you know, coming there and bringing quaaludes with him with the intent to have sex. But he also said that the women knew. Right. But right. this was supposed to be something that he did close, whatever. Now, once again, I am not talking about the moral aspect right now. I'm just talking about the legality. Right. And if we're going to prosecute and eventually convict somebody the rules have to be the same so in my personal opinion do i think he did it i won't i won't really talk about what i personally think but <laughs> from a legal standpoint they never proved right that he did so right. at the same token whether or not the 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 morality in me wants to say well he's a rapist or he's a uh whatever you want to call it he's uh an abuser I can only look at the facts given towards that particular case. And in that particular case, there were women found to be lying. They had no evidence to move oh, yeah. forward Oh yeah. in that case. He literally oh, yeah. got convicted off of evidence that was never even supposed to be submitted. So right. when I say uh, you can be, you can eat gum, chew gum and walk at the same time is you, it's, it's a duality that a lot of us have. We're not mm. just all good or we're not just all bad. We, we can have both. That's so he right. can equally be an abuser or a rapist and he factually got the shaft from the legal system because that wasn't supposed to happen. So that's what, that's what I was getting at. I think, I think, I think philosophically I can agree with you um, that of course, um, the argument can be made. Yeah, nobody's 100% anything. It's a lot of gray. It's not just black and white. It's a mixture, right? Um, I think the slippery slope for me occurs when you're dealing in the space of, the, of court opinion, right? You got social media. Again, you got people who are triggered by certain buzzwords, certain phrases. They get all this emotional capital um, that serves as an impetus to push a certain narrative. And then before... Um, a person um, has the ability to, you know, be tried or, or, or uh, uh, by a jury of their peers and appear in court and there'll be no bias. There are things that are already swayed because of what's going on outside of the legal situation. Fact. So my, my, my thing with that is we got to be careful about the words that we use because it goes back to propaganda. I was listening to... Um, Oh, God. This guy is like Jesus to me, man, for real. Dr. Amos Wilson, I mean, again. <laughs> Dr. Amos Wilson, again. Y'all better get on. I'm telling you, dude is the truth, man. But anyway, um, he was saying that prior to an actual murder, there's always an assassination of the character. Mm. So mm. what they do, what they do is they kill you with words first in the marketplace, in the social space, so that when they perform the hit on you, people would be like, oh, they had it coming anyway. Uh, that, that brings the Nazis up. That makes me think of the Nazis and Jews before they killed them all. They had the propaganda of how they was all rats and stuff like that. This is a fact. 
So you gotta you gotta build up the social energy that's gonna be in agreement with whatever egregious follow up is is going to be like uh, uh you know compatible with what you were saying. It's like okay, they deserve that. They all had that coming, and I'm I'm like the same thing. The way I look at it, occurred with Mr. Cosby, where they weren't even looking at the fact that by uh, historical precedent in 2005, they had nothing to criminally convict mm-hmm. this man mm-hmm. on. It was a rap, like the um the Commonwealth of 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 Philly or whatever Pennsylvania. They were like, hey yo, the best we can do is try to get this guy on a civil suit. Yep. So that yep. means the best we can do is try to get some monetary or financial compensation. We don't have anything to criminally um, prosecute this dude. Right? Because the credibility of, of his accusers was shot. It became a he said, she said kind of a thing. And it's like, yo, we don't have, we don't have enough yep. to prove beyond a reasonable doubt that he raped whoever. And then, like you said, the deposition that came into play later was was supposed to be sealed. But then um, the terms and conditions of that deposition was to the effect that, hey, yo, uh, we're not going to pursue you criminally if you waive your Fifth Amendment right. This is not going to be incriminating for you. Just go ahead and speak to whatever you think is relevant to this civil suit case so we can get some modicum of justice for this lady. We can't get you criminally, but we're going to get you financially, basically. And it's like, even what he said in that joint, like you said, he never said I raped anybody. He always said the sex was consensual. And for me, it's like, why do people want to forget about context? Why, why do we want to forget context? The only time people want to forget context and don't want to pay attention to the importance of context is when they've already decided in their mind yeah, that yeah. we're going to get you. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. Facts. You know what I'm saying? Because the context to me is, is Hollywood. It's the 70s. It's the 80s or whatever. And he's in a culture with sex, drugs, and entertainment. That's the law. Yeah. That's the law of the space. You know yep. what I'm saying? So it's like you get this black man caught up in that culture, the entertainment culture, and now we talked about Me Too a little bit last time, and now some 30 years later, he's getting Me Tooed in a situation where, you know, a lot of white men, then they're getting the same treatment. Yeah, 100%. You know what I'm saying? And we spoke about even feminism, and we spoke about the the correlation between feminism and the Me Too movement, how it seems like the Me Too is a feminist movement 2.0 and how it's it's very um, seductive to the women in our community who want to put the men in our community, the black men, on par with these white men yep. who have been <laughs> oppressing their women. But it's like, can we really say that black men are oppressing anybody? Don't you have to have power to do that? I'm asking you, bro. I'll be like, you you do, right? Are uh, you there? Yeah, yeah, I'm here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> okay. You let you let that be rhetorical. I mean, obviously, no. I mean, like, we don't 
we don't move in the same spaces of authority that white of course men not. do. Of course not. You, I mean, you, what what do we own? You know, you, know, you, know, you know what's so crazy about it? Um, those facts in the cases, the fact in this particular case, which was an open book to everybody, should was was specific in showing that you know they shouldn't have been able to use um that deposition right and i realized years ago i was on jury duty right like maybe 10 15 years ago and i'll never forget it was a it was a case it was a drug case or whatever and when we got back to deliberate before we even spoke one word there was two caucasian ladies in the on the jury pool and i was a, the jury foreman yeah. And they said this exact words, and I quote, this is going to be fast. He's guilty. I said, we haven't spoken about anything. And this is what she said to me, and it, and it, I never forgot this. She said, I knew he was guilty the moment I looked at him. So I mm. said, so I said, so it's, what you're telling me is before you heard the evidence in the case, you had made a decision. She said, yes. And I realized that's how most of us are. This is not just a, a, a white thing. Yeah. They heard Mr. Cosby's name and people made a decision. Either way, whether he's guilty or innocent, they didn't need any evidence and no evidence was really going to change their initial thought. So I, I realized facts, facts are optional. <laughs> facts are really oh, optional. And no. when you want to believe something, you're going to believe it. They looked at him for whatever reason and said he had to have done it, and that's it. And that's what he got prosecuted over. Like you said, he got pro prosecuted off of propaganda and the fact that people made a decision that some bigwig needed to pay, and he was low-hanging fruit. So let's get him. Oh, God. Oh, God. Did you have to say low-hanging fruit? Because <laughs> I, I said to you in another conversation offline that this was – a symbolic public lynching yeah, yeah, of yeah. black personality. Yeah. And um, he kind of served as a surrogate for uh, what the, the power structure would like to convey to the targeted populace, i.e. black people. You know what I'm saying? And it's just, when you're dealing with conditioning and the controlling of the minds of the people that you want to manipulate, symbolism is the tool of choice. Mm. It's the uh, it's this unspoken understanding, right, that communicates your limitations, that lets you know your zone of operation. You can operate here, but no further. You said in the mm. last podcast that uh, the mistake of Cosby was he was amnesiatic. He forgot he was black. Ah. He thought he was on par. Yeah. <laughs> but, these white execs. Mm -hmm. He thought he could move like them. Not so. No. Not the case. Don't ever get it twisted. <laughs> Don't ever get it mistaken. It's still the backdrop of we're in power and you're employed. Yeah. Never forget that. And, and, and further, not only are we empowered and you're employed, the rules are really only for you, not for us. Because the moment the rules were going to help them, they circumvented the rules. This is why, even though if you really think about it, and, and we spoke about this offline, but they thought Mr. Cosby was going to die in jail. This was the, this was the goal. We're going to yeah. get a symbolic win. 
Yeah. He'll die. It goes away. Yeah. Because the reality is there was no case law and no studies that showed that that should have been open. This is why the Supreme Court of Philadelphia threw it out. Yeah. They all knew it was eventually going to be thrown out. But yeah. they were banking on the fact this man is in his 80s. He'll remember when he first, I don't know if you remember when he first got in jail, he magically fell mm. out of nowhere. I'm like, okay, mm. he's mm. not going to be alive long. Then mm-hmm. COVID came. I was like, oh, he's oh, he really gonna die gone. for sure. <laughs> so I was just like, I, they all knew what they was doing was illegal, but yeah. they assumed that this man would pass away. Yeah. But he didn't. So now, yeah. who knows? It's crazy because I was doing my research and, and found out that the DA in 05 knew that this deposition could never be admissible anywhere. And if it was, the person who allow it to be admissible would, would probably come under civil uh, um, oh, civil yeah. charges themselves. Like, this is crazy. Like, this is, this is unheard of. This is not supposed to happen. So then you ask yourself, well, why did it happen to him? Mm. Yep. Why was it okay to ha- for that to happen to Mr. Cosby the way that it played out, the way that it happened, right? And and like, I know you say we can we can we can walk and chew chew gum at the same time, um, but also two opposing facts can't be true at the same time, mm. right? And I and I've heard two narratives. I've heard that okay. We don't get a fair shake by the justice system, black people in general, black men in particular. But then we want to say, oh, because he's got money. This is why this technicality was something I'm saying to myself, um, (laughs) if the money was really something that was going to be substantive, he probably would have never seen the inside of a jail. Yeah, I this mean, this man did what two, three years? He did three years. Come on, <laughs> no, but the first of all, Bill Cosby, if he's not a billionaire, he's not far from one. This wasn't a money play, this was a getting your place play. We're showing you what we have the ability to do. We know what we did is illegal, but we can do it anyway because you did it. This, this is nothing about money, <laughs> nothing about money. This was, I gotta. We got to put your little black self back in your in, in your place because you got too big for your bridges. And let, let me show you how big you got. I'm going to show you how big you got by literally like <laughs> disobeying the law to get you. They let that man sit in jail for I think it was two and a half, three years. That's crazy. When every legal mind around the world knew that this would be appealed. There's not one that didn't know. That's a fact. Like, I, I, I even think it goes a little further than that because I remember when they first opened it and he wanted to appeal. Nobody wanted to touch the appeal, which says, where did the word come from that you, you can't hear him out? That had to have come from up top, like, leave this alone. That had to. Let him they die. tried to appeal and nobody would <clears> hear them. <throat> they wouldn't even hear the case. I don't hear it. I'm like, okay. So how are the judges see? And this is my thing. See, I think, I think the the criminal justice system is a farce anyway. You know oh, what I mean? It's not it's not set up to enforce justice. It's set up to maintain injustice. You know what I mean? And so, it's really tongue in cheek when I'm like, well, how can these judges not be impartial? I already know that. You know what I mean? <laughs> They're already biased toward a particular group of people in America anyway. Uh, That's 100%. a given. You know what I'm saying? 100%. System is not ours. 
Um, but it's funny how, like, again, they want to maintain this appearance of being fair, this appearance of being unbiased, right? This appearance of being upholders and pursuers of justice and balance and equity when that has never been the case. Yeah, of course. It's never been the case. So it's, to me, it's like, uh, I try not to be, uh, I, I, I try not to be a cynic. It's hard not to be. It's 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 almost difficult and mind blowing not to be a cynic because I just in my in my short life I've seen the goalposts move for us multiple times. Yeah. It's like every time we get close to something, laws change. Like even I know we're gonna talk about cannabis in a little bit, yeah. but even that is mind blowing. Like you're talking about. Some of these same, you know, uh, congressmen who were calling us super predators. And mm. you remember back in the day when Ronald Reagan and them had to just say no to drugs and mm-hmm. and all. And now these people are sole proprietors in the cannabis industry. Mm-hmm. Mind boggling. Talking just about stop and frisk. Mind boggling. Super predator comment. I Mind. mean. So now yeah. you're you have stock in this company. Yes. The same companies that you prosecuted and threw some of our brothers and sisters away forever. Yeah. Now you're stakeholders and owners. And then the, the other smack in the face is this. Although your sentence will be commuted, you're still a felon. So you're not allowed to now participate in that trade. Yeah. Yeah. Because like you said and alluded to earlier, the rules are for the ruled. Yes. The rules are for the rules. Another old <laughs> aid adage is he who makes the rules breaks the rules. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> this is for you, niggas. It's not, <laughs> it's not for us. us. It's you not for us. We could play both sides of yeah. the legalese. Yeah. You know what I mean? We could trip you up with jargon and, and catch you in, in technicalities. Oh man, you know, it's not what we can do. The law says, even though we write the laws. Yeah, yeah. And so we can either enforce the laws or we can bend the laws. But with you, you get bent. Yeah. yeah. The laws stay standing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? For us, eh, we might be, let's see what we can do. You know what I'm saying? How, how dare you find a loophole that we created to use against us? I'm telling you, that doesn't work. I've, I've, I've seen the goalposts move too many times. It's, it's astonishing to me sometimes. It's just like, at this point, I don't even think they care that they're showing us that they're moving. And they're like, yeah, we moved the N what? What you going to really do? Nothing. There's nothing you can do. A few more things with Cosby, and then we can move on to the next thing. Um, Mark Lamont Hill, I don't know if you're familiar yeah, with him. Yeah, I know who he is. But he squared off with uh, Judge Joe Brown. I saw that interview. And Judge Joe Brown filleted this dude. This dude <laughs> is stuttering and stammering all over himself. So it was him... And another one of his ilk, white woman, I forget her name, but they both had the same energy of this is a grave miscarriage of justice. Um, women everywhere have taken a hit. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Um, he because, is a rapist. And because like, they were what? going off of legality. And that's the crazy part. When it's us, it's about morals and, 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 and the compass of 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 equality and greatness and and how we are to people 
When it's our counterparts, it's about what can you prove? It was not about what can you prove in, in, in Mr. Cosby's case because it, you couldn't prove anything. Yeah. So now we have to go on, well, he said it, right? Right. He said it out of his own mouth. But then I have to counter that. You're not supposed to know that he said it. But here's the other part. The thing that he said is not what you're saying that he said. No, no, you're absolutely right. But you straw what? man in the hell out of this dude. We shouldn't even know what he said. That's a fact. That's that's the legal argument. You're right. And, and that's why Judge Joe Brown you're was right. like, this is great that you're saying this, but from a legal standpoint, we shouldn't even know that he said that. We shouldn't even know that he said that. So if that's wow. it's almost like in a courtroom, and I, and I know you've heard this before, when they say, strike that from the record and pretend Facts. like you, that's what it's supposed to be. It that's didn't a fact. happen. That's a fact. Now, see, here's another side to that that, that I think is unnatural. Um, and is a farce to tell somebody to strike something yeah, from the yeah. record bull, 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 bull. as if they never heard it, <laughs> but it bull. had it had gotten said anyway. Yeah. Oh, what a mind bang! What? <laughs> That's why lawyers do it. They do it purposely because they of know course. once once it's out there, it's out there. You never it's gonna forget out that. There. You heard that. It's influencing you. But then you got the the judge or whoever who's going to play like, oh, we're supposed to be impartial. Oh, you guys strike that from the record. It was never said. Are you crazy? Are you nuts? I have just been influenced. It goes right back to what I was saying in terms of what happens in the social space outside of the halls of justice. If you keep repeating something over and over and over and over and over again, after a while, it kind of seeps into your subconscious way of thinking. And then you're looking at it from the vantage point of what you heard articulated. Yep. Per whatever argument or per whatever slant, per whatever spin that's been disseminated through the media. Man, they lambasted this dude in the media before yeah. we even heard the fact. Like, yo, how many women they, they put in the, in, in the papers? I mean, it was like 50. Son. <laughs> it got crazy after a son. while. I'll tell you what's scary as, as, as a black man about that. When you said it was low-hanging fruit, I immediately thought about about lynch mobs. Mm -hmm. And there were so many cases where it was a white woman's word against yep. a black, a black man could even speak. I ain't even gonna say against a black man's word. If she spoke on you, you're finished. You're finished. You become a fixture on a tree limb, yep. period. Yep. And, and, and if we find out you were innocent after the fact, oh, well, the nigga would have did something anyway. Eventually. <laughs> you know what I'd be mean? like, yeah. <laughs> Eventually, <laughs> we stopped him. Or, or you deal with um, even the Salem witch hunts or the Inquisition. Like, it's the same parallel where you have people who make accusations, and then they have these these mock trials that are not really trials. I think um, I say this for our, our, the audience, the members of the audience that listen who are women. You know, you got to be careful to bandwagon you jump on per the feminist or oh, this Me Too God. movement because it used to be used against you. I'm yep. thinking of the Salem witch trials now. It was like, if you could do math, you were a witch, right? And <laughs> they'd say, they say, okay, we're going to dump her into the river. If, if, if she swims, she's a witch. If she dies, she was innocent. This is the rationale we're dealing with with this Me Too shit. This is oh man, I cursed. I right, do it is because it's gross. Like what is going? What are we doing? Yo, 
you know what's so crazy? I saw a meme, not a meme, but like a, a little posted on Instagram yesterday. And it was from a feminist page that I follow. And I, I follow, keep up to date to see what's going on. And the post said, I believe women, period. Right? <laughs> and I found that to be so dangerous because we're all flawed individuals. Let, 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 me, let, me, let me rephrase that. We're all liars, all of us. Mm. Stinking Thanks. liars, right? Thanks. So I understand your, uh, your predilection to, to want to initially believe a person that says a heinous act has occurred to sure. them. But right. it's been proven that there are people who lie, yeah. right? So yeah. when it comes to sexual stuff, for some reason, you're guilty. Not even not in, until proven innocent, you're just guilty. Because even yeah. if you're proven innocent, the people will say, well, you got off because <clears throat> of a technicality or the person was afraid. It's one of the or, worst crimes to be <laughs> accused. It is. Like, it's a stigma associated with the accusation itself. Yeah. You don't even have to be guilty. Yeah. If you're accused, it's, it's the same. It's in the same ballpark of pedophilia, man. Oh, if you're accused as a pedophile, you finished. You're done. You're done. You're finished out here. The accusation itself, it 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 sullies and mires your reputation. Forever. People don't want to mess with you. Mm -hmm. If you're in business, you're losing business. If you're employed, you probably lost your job. If you're engaged, you're probably single now. Yeah. Like, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> they dead your life, bro. They make you want to kill yourself. Like, I bet they were banking on Cosby committing suicide, honestly. Yeah, one of the two. 100%. Yeah. yeah. 100%. He's going to die from old age. Or he was going to be so low and depressed, you know. I'm done. Yeah, I, you know I, I, I mean? can see it. It's it's honestly one of the main reasons that when I chose a career path, right? And this is this is this. I'm inviting you into the mentality of a black man, and you already know it because you are one. Facts. But it's one of the main reasons why, professionally, I never desired to do anything around kids mm. because. Just the mere accusation. I don't want to be no teacher. I don't mm. talk to kids. I ain't no kid. Move mm. your kid away from me. Like, mm. you now got me on defense when I'm afraid. <laughs> like, if, if a child come up to me and I'm in a park, whose child is this? Come get right. your child. Right. You're talking loud. Yes. You, whose child? You, you've been socially distancing way before COVID. Wait, yo, this is easy for me. <laughs> what? This is no, this wasn't hard for me. <laughs> the quarantine, nigga, I've been quarantined since birth. My whole life. <laughs> I want nothing to do. Don't run up to me. Nope, your mother's that way. Yeah. That, no. <laughs> yeah. And that's not just, it's crazy because, like you said, we get into um, the dynamics of what it is to be a black man or a black woman. Like, there has always been a quarantine ethic. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We've been a quarantine people. Yeah. You know, since we hit the shores. It, it's so funny you say, I was just watching an episode of Blackish yesterday. Yeah. And and in this particular episode, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with the show, but uh, the lead character is Anthony Anderson, and he's going into work, and he's getting ready to get on the elevator, and there's a little white girl that's in the elevator by herself. Yo, listen. And he doesn't get on the elevator, right? Mm -mm -mm. <laughs> so he go back up into the office, and when he walks in the office, his other black coworker was like, "Yo, did you see the little? Did you see the little white girl in the office? She almost got me." <laughs> and all the white guys are like, "You guys ought to be ashamed. You didn't go in the elevator." He's like, "Are you crazy?" 
And it was funny, but it was scary at the same time because mm-hmm. I would have done the exact same thing. Oh. Ain't no way in hell I'm getting on that. Right. Unspoken code, <laughs> right? Unspoken rule, like we had alluded to earlier. Um, these are just cultural survival practices because yep. we know we live in a hostile space no matter where we are in this country. It's hostility. And yeah. the potential for something ignorant or a misunderstanding to pop off that could yep. be moral and cost you your life yeah. is always around the corner, yo. As far as I'm concerned, she can get back up to the elevator the same way she got in. Yeah. <laughs> Without <I> like, my help. <laughs> shit, I like taking the stairs anyway. You know? Exactly. Keep the, keep the calories off. <laughs> exactly. You know? Shoot, man. Um, I, I, I got to say this, and then move, and we'll, I, I promise we're moving on to cannabis. Um, black women um, and the bandwagoning, it's, it's a little disheartening. Now, I'm not I'm not lambasting every black woman. Obviously. But there there are a lot of sisters mm-hmm. who are just they've taken on this kind of um it's a it's a uh, it's <laughs> a ca- it, I know, I know, right? I'm, I, cause cause then I don't want to get me too or whatever like that, but I ain't nobody anyway. So what the fuck you gonna meet? Oh, got me cursing. You gonna meet me too me about it. I ain't got nothing to lose. Um but it's like there is this self-preoccupation, right? And, 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 and of course, it gets conflated or misconstrued as self-love. But it's really not that at all. It's not self-love. It's like there is um, kind of a narcissistic element to it. Mm-hmm. It's like I don't need no nigger. And that's your... That's your badge of progress. I did it on my own. Bah, 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 bah. But the thing is, you don't necessarily do it on your own. You yeah. become an agent and you get supported by certain aspects of the system to give you the appearance that you don't need the black man. But that's counterintuitive to the survival of black people at large. Because we need each other respectively to move a people forward. But it's like they are eating you, you <laughs> all know of the baits. You, you know what it is? I, I, believe, I believe that some, some of them are caught up with this recognition aspect, right? right. It's the need to be recognized equally as the black man. And if I'm not going to be recognized equally as a black man from the black man, then I need to tear down the black man. I, I, I think there's just this transference of energy that's occurring in some that says, I'm just as important as you. And I'm not trying to minimize how they feel or the level of importance. But there's a pecking order. Let's not, let, let's not, let's get that clear. There's a pecking order. And I think a lot, uh, oh, I shouldn't say a lot. I, sh- I, I think some black women mm-hmm. have gotten to the point where they feel like since they're not being recognized on the same level as a black man, then they rather destroy it. And that's where the feminist movement is really, really in their in modern day feminist movement is, is really going. It's like, I'm a boss. I'm able to do it as well. I don't need you. Boom. I, I just think it's a recognition thing. It's, like, it's, they love to say, I did it by myself. It's like, it's nobody does It's super weird because like you said, nobody does anything by themselves. We are communal intrinsically. Yep. We don't even have individuality without some kind of social, sexual congress between a man and a woman. You are, you are a composition mm-hmm of community even in yourself okay so it's just like ma um 
it's illogical to say that you've done anything by yourself. Yeah, and anybody, why, anybody. why would you want to do anything? Because check this out. If you take that to its logical consequence, you're talking about being schizophrenic and um, being dissociated and having a language all by yourself. <laughs> but that's not and what you're they in mean, your though. own damn world. I honestly, I honestly don't believe when they say I did this by myself. I believe when women say they did it by themselves, they mean that no man's hands were involved in it. Not that's what they mean. And, and that's the that's the um, insanity of that articulation is because there's always a white hand behind always the platform always. that you want to that you want to paint black girl magic on. Yeah, you can't you can't get in. You, you didn't you didn't do that. You just you just paint you put you put the paint on there. Yeah, but even, but check this you out. Use Instagram or Facebook. But but <laughs> to stay with the metaphor, who did you buy the paint from? Did yeah. you produce the paint? Did you produce the brush? So essentially, you're using the tools, right, and the social products of others, and 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 as a result, you yourself become a tool in the hand of other groups who have an interest mm-hmm. and an agenda in mind. But then you you know what? Hearing you say that just just popped up in my head real quick, uh, from the aspect of okay, then they probably view it from the lens of, okay, I know that the white man owns everything. Right. And there's nothing that I can do right there, but I refuse to fall in line under the black man. <laughs> I already have one man over me. <laughs> not going to have another. There's but nothing it, I can do about the, the man that's over me because, you know, he, he owns everything. But this brother, no, you won't get me. It's, it's weird because I don't even see our relationships as hierarchical, you know what I mean? I think, you know, you can do what you can do and I can do what I can do, you know what I'm saying? And what we need to be doing is seeing that respectively, we're doing what we can do at the Zenith so that we complement progress together. Yeah, that's that, that sounds when we, great. When we get into this competitive thing, it's just like, like people don't understand that there, there's a division of labor no one is, it's a division, nobody's yeah, better. Th- th- it's th- a division th- of labor. Right. There th- th- always is a division of labor, but unfortunately, even within that division of labor, there's always a hierarchy, and at the top of it is always a masculine-sounding name. <laughs> and we, we got to be honest about that. I mean, I mean, socially, yes, that's how it has played out, or that's how it's been orchestrated. Yeah. But, I, but I'm saying even, okay, let's say we stay with the old paradigm and men are on top. Um, that man who's on top now had to come through the body of a woman. You wouldn't even be here. Like, let's yeah, stop. Yeah, I, I know. But we I, feed it's, each it's other. back to recognition, though. Because I think, honestly, they want to be praised and esteemed how we socially have. And when I say we, I just mean men. I'm not talking about black. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Men in general. At the end of the day, we know most companies are ran by the employees and stuff like that of that nature. Yeah. But after I do my 16 hours and you do your 17 hours, you're not gonna get recognized. Your executive vice president, like, thanks for a great job. Like, well, you didn't deliver nothing. You didn't why are you thanking him? I I was the one that was out there for 18 hours. So it's always I I just really believe that it's a recognition aspect. And I think some women are uh, they're tired of not being recognized. Okay. Okay. Felicia Rashad, and then we got to move on to Sherry yeah. Richardson. When when Felicia Rashad uh, made the statement initially I love about Felicia. Mr. Cosby, I love her too. And but it's like you had women 
who came to attack another woman yep. because this particular woman recognized, no, what happened was actually a justifiable thing. Yeah, yeah. Like, you can't even have your opinion in this space if it goes against the grain of the narrative yep. that we're promulgating, no matter how wrong that narrative may be. Yeah. Because if you do, if and when you do, now you're targeted, right? And it might cost you your social capital, which means... um Miss Felicia Rashad, you you could lose that space at Howard. Yeah, they they calling for her resignation right we now. They calling for her to be fired. Listen, they calling for it. This is crazy. Well, the thing is, you 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 already know insanity when it comes to that aspect as well. It's always been going against the grain. People that have been called insane and crazy for their whole life are normally people who don't conform. So that's right up her alley, anyway. But. Speaking from her standpoint, I, I love what she said because she didn't say anything about, she said, a great miscarriage of justice has been rectified. And any intelligent person understands what she meant. Exactly. But we, of course, the masses, when I say we, we, we base it off of our fleeting emotions. And we've already, and most of us in our, in our mind have already decided that he's guilty. And, and when we decide a person is guilty, we don't care what happened during the commission of that crime. What was really? wild about her apologizing was the fact that who she was apologizing to took what you just said, her words to mean F all you BIs, you're lying. Nothing ever happened to you by, by a man. You've yeah. never been, she never said that. Yeah. But that's what you heard. And it's like, y'all can't, see the crazy in that y'all are really y'all are creating enemies now yeah you know you you may legitimately have enemies yes we all do but right now you're creating an enemy this woman is a strong black woman she's an advocate for strong black feminine uh, presentation she embodies it Mm -hmm. she embodied it when she said what she said about mr cosby but because y'all can't y'all can't parse logically between something that's appropriate and something that's erratic, now you're talking about it's going to cost her her job potentially. It's crazy to me. This is my word against you again. You're guilty because I say so. Bump the evidence. Get the rope. Get the tree ready. We about to castrate y'all. Like we about to burn y'all. This is what I'm seeing. This is what this feels like to me. And you have a lot of black women in our community. Who don't see it? Yeah, but I I even like her because I'm I'm reading her response because I didn't even know that she offered a um an apology, but reading her response, it was. <laughs> she says, uh, "My remarks were in no way directed towards survivors of sexual assault. I vehemently oppose sexual violence, find no excuse for such behavior, and I know that Howard University has a zero tolerance policy towards interpersonal violence." And I look at that. And I feel like her apology was not necessarily for what she said, but just basically to further explain that she wasn't talking about the act. And all these people who allegedly went to college don't see that. <laughs> you, Yo, <laughs> like, you, you, like, and that lets you know the educational institution is not about developing critical thinkers. It's more about programming people. It's more about controlling people. Listen to this direction. Follow this edict. Follow this directive. 
Never engage in critical dialogue. Don't think for yourself, because if you do that, you might look at us and pull the thread at our concrete, right? And watch this whole thing crumble. Nobody is trying to have the established way of doing things fall apart. And that's why people who think are dangerous. Yep. And you know what I'm saying? And that's why we got to discredit people who are really thinking. You know what I'm saying? Um, Sister Richards. Is that a name? Richards yeah, yeah, Richards? Yeah, yeah. Uh, cannabis. Uh, Hello. I feel Hello. like. Mary Jane Richards. <laughs> I feel like. I feel like what they did to her. Because we said it, we said the optics already, right? Mm-hmm. I feel like what's happening to her um, is unfair. Okay. And I feel like you and I may have different views <laughs> on that, and that's fine. Let let's get into it with the time we got left. Yeah. The reason I feel like it's unfair is because a lot of these laws that have to do with uh, food and drug administration mm-hmm. um, concerns. They're very arbitrarily administered. Okay. Um, the science that I saw, I didn't see that you could justify um, the, the point of view that smoking or ingesting cannabis enhances um, athletic performance. Actually, it said, from what I read, the research I read, it could actually deter or detract from, 100%. Uh, you, know, uh, you know, athletic agility and the like. So that's why I feel like, eh. I don't know, but what's your take, brother? So, my take on this is very closely related to mask wearing during this pandemic. All right. Hmm. So, there was a whole big outrage of people feeling like, oh, I'm an American and I should have to cover up my nose. And why do I have to come in your establishment that you bought, that you, <laughs> you curated with your own money and it's your space and it's not my space? Mm. Why should I have to come into your place and abide by your rules? And then I'm just left baffled (laughs) because it's like, regardless of what you feel uh, is right or wrong. Like I I said to you before offline, in my house, we got carpet, right? In my house, when you come in my house, you have to take your shoes off. Now, if you come to my house and that's not something that you decide you want to do, that's fine but you won't be entering in my house because right. in my house, the rules are you have to wear, you have to take off your shoes because we have carpet. <clears throat> it's the same thing about, you know, this whole Carrie Richardson thing. Mm-hmm. I don't like, I'm not going to say that it was a, uh, an advantage that helped her, but this rule wasn't on the book yesterday. This rule has been there. Whether or not we can talk about whether or not the rule is unfair later, the rule <laughs> was there. You was presented the rule before you mm-hmm. knew the rule has been there for years, mm-hmm. and you decided that you wanted to do it anyway. Mm-hmm. So, as much as I love my sister, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I can't hang my my head on this one because you went in knowing they didn't change the rules for you. You mm-hmm. went in knowing you smoked mm-hmm. it anyway. Mm-hmm. So that's on you. And and I always tell people if you want to be a part of somebody else's situation. Mm-hmm. You mean their Olympics, their mm-hmm. home, their whatever. You mm-hmm. gotta abide by their rules, whether they're mm-hmm. like for instance, if you work a job where they have a uniform, you don't get to say, you know what, mm-hmm. I'm dressing myself today. At McDonald's, mm-hmm. you gotta wear a McDonald's uniform. Mm-hmm. And that's what you accepted when you decided you wanted to work there. 
So mm. in the Olympics, they say you can't take no performance hands and drugs. You can't have weed. I think it's cocaine. There's a few other stuff that you're not allowed to take. Mm-hmm. If they tell you that, you can't take it anyway and say, well, I don't understand. Like, make me understand <laughs> why I should feel sorry for Bob Marley. Like, I don't get it. <laughs> Did you call her Bob and Marley? Yes. <laughs> I can't. I'm sorry. I love you, Carrie, if you're listening, but you did what you did. <laughs> um, yes, I guess I guess I, I'm more on the side of being disruptive. I, I don't really like I don't like rules, to no, be honest see, with you. And I, I like I like standards. I, I can deal with standards, but it's like the, the way rules have been instituted, especially for our group, it has always been to restrict, um, to repress and to control. Now, in her case, I I see where you're coming from in terms of, well, this is my establishment. If you want to run in somebody else's Olympics or you want to build your Olympics (laughs) where you smoke weed while you're on the track, you you get about the business of doing that. Right? Exactly. But then also, like, okay, so I think of things along a continuum. And and for me, um, yeah, yeah, weed, weed grows out of the ground. So if we're talking about on a continuum of vegetation, um, I mean, could I arbitrarily say, oh, damn, th- we found traces that you have broccoli today. And, you know, broccoli, we don't want you eating broccoli before <laughs> before you run. Well, here's the problem. Race. Here, here's the issue. If that was a rule, then yeah. you better not eat no damn broccoli. Get the hell out of here, <laughs> Listen, bro. the rules are, you could call them rules, you could call them standards, you could call them whatever your heart's desire. <laughs> <laughs> if this this is what happens when you don't have your own. And yeah, you gotta have your own. All, all leading back to up to your own black ownership. You gotta have your own. When you don't have your own, you're subjected to whatever the policy, <sighs> rules, or standards of that institution that you desire to be a part of. Because they right. don't go, they don't go out for you. You're the one that wants to go out for them. Okay. Okay. This is gonna dovetail into something else that maybe we'll have to continue later. But along that line of logic. Since we're in another person's house per America as black people, um, and they have racist rules, mm-hmm. um, why should we ever resist racist rules? Why, sh- why don't we just see now? You see, why don't we just get out of America and create our own house and not be a part of you know the whole integration movement? Like, none of that. Okay, bump all of that. Let's get out of here, like uh, the Nation of Islam says, let's get out of here. And have our own thing because the white people in their house got their rules. And if we don't want to abide by those rules, well, we need to get out their house. How do you feel about that? The only thing with that is, unfortunately, we've gotten comfortable within their racist rules. And one thing that black people love more than anything is comfort. So once we've learned to navigate it and now we're comfortable and some of us are allegedly progressing during this joint. We have no no desire to move. The only time movement will really happen is, is when a group of us get uncomfortable. But most of us aren't. Now, like, I, think, uh, I think we got to confront the rules and the people who dictate and establish the rules because but the but white supremacist household. That wouldn't be wise for a person like for me and you. Yeah, that would be wise. Yeah, but yeah. If, if if you was making six, seven hundred thousand dollars a year. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Now the rules still apply. They're sure. happening. 
uh-huh. but they don't necessarily happen that much to you because now where you live, people know where you're at. You're living that Bill Cosby kind of life where you kind of forget that your people are really going through that. You kind of blame them for their own actions. Oh, yeah. Because you remember he... you... <laughs> at this point. Yeah, yeah. Because remember, uh, before he went through his troubles, he yeah, exactly. he was lambasting us. Exactly. He was <laughs> he was killing us. Yeah. Killing us. <laughs> he was referring to us as it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he depersonalized us. <laughs> Mr. <Literally>. Cosby. <laughs> I'm putting a handle on yours. You called me it, though. Yeah, it's, it's a that, fact. It's wow. But see, you see what that does? You get, like you said, you get amnesia. You get lost by the placation and the pacification of these rewards in another person's house yeah and then when they t- when it when it comes time they'll let you know hey nigga you still in my house yeah. and, and what i was gonna say to you was the white supremacist house is bigger than america because it's global so what <laughs> we run into if, if, if we can't try to defy or redefine or revolutionize rules through of uh, some kind of power, interest, and collective, well, then we're going to remain ruled. But then, and I but, know Shikari Richardson <laughs> didn't want to be like for you know black liberation, but there are seeds in this whole. But, but do, do you with believe? The question: Do you believe you can actually have a liberation in somebody else's house? Mm. You gotta you gotta burn down the house, that, but but that's what I'm saying. So <laughs> exactly, I don't. Believe, that, that's, I'm trying to imagine somebody coming into my little space. I got four bedrooms, right? Thanks. Telling me, yo, I ain't taking my shoes off, and I'm coming in your sh- and I'm coming in your stuff. Mm. I, I'm picturing it in my head how that's gonna go, mm. and it's I don't feel gonna, like that would go well. Not gonna go well for that person. Yeah. So the Ooh, same thanks. thing. If we're here. And we decide we're going to change. I don't think that's going to go too well. But see, if we do the inversion of that, and it got coming for a landing because, dang, already 53 minutes. Um, the establishment of the status quo as it is was established by foreigners or aliens coming into somebody else's house. There were indigenous people here. Yeah. They came into another person's house. Ran rugshawed over them, killed, raped, pillaged, mutilated. Boom, this hours now. Like, I, I, I. it was okay when they did it. But yeah. if we're talking about trying but, to do it, it's rules what, to this shit. But what did they come with, though? <laughs> let's, let's, let's remember, they came with their, you know, they came with their weapons. Yeah, so yeah. the indigenous people had their rocks and their little arrows. And these people was coming with stuff that shot out of barrels. Mm. So the arrows versus the barrels. It's it a bar, work. my G. That's a bar. It, it doesn't work. It's just like okay, if if I see something smoking and then now it just went through a person like nothing, you win. You got that. <laughs> you got that. What what you want? Good sir. <laughs> it's not just about part. But it's about shining a light on those people in your community who are doing an incredible work here locally in Hampton Roads. Hampton Roads is regional Black Chamber of Commerce, Black Brand, blackbrand.biz. If you're industrious, endeavor to be industrious, entrepreneurial, endeavor to be entrepreneurial, you need to link yourself with the network and the nexus of powerful, like-minded individuals 
who have your overall economic well-being, both in head and in heart, Black Brand. Black Brand got bears a 150-year economic plan exclusively in the making for Black people. We got to conclude this uh, 32nd episode of the Love, Peace, and Confrontation podcast. Thank you and a salute to my good brother, A. Trey Still. Always a pleasure, sir. Any closing remarks? Yeah. <laughs> it's just, it's never enough time. And yo, it's not. <laughs> it's, it's, yo. These issues, we, we got some issues to really parse out at some we, point. But uh, man, uh, yeah. Yeah. I got to bring you back. I'm sorry, yeah, man. I definitely. might have to hold you hostage or, or bring you on just to co-host because this is nuts. <laughs> we didn't even really get into nothing again. Because we didn't get into the industry side of cannabis, we didn't oh, get man. into the prison industrial complex. Ooh. I mean, we we you you mentioned it, but we didn't get into it. Ugh. We didn't get it. We didn't do it justice. It's, it's yes? being it's being traded on it. You know what? That's another another topic. All right, man. We might we might we might we might have to get into to to cannabis all by itself. Yeah. At another time, but until then, black man, I love you. Black woman, I love you. Black babies. I love you. What will we tell our sons? Let's all get out here and be the light, recognizing that we are the solution. Um, let's understand that we have the capacity and the wherewithal to mitigate and to resolve many of the issues that are pervasive in our communities. Let's understand also that we are the answers to the prayers that we seek. All religions be damned. If it does not serve you, you should not serve it. Let's go ahead and fully capitalize upon the inexhaustible ingenuity that is part and parcel to the melaninated mind and overall black experience. I love you guys. Everybody keep your head on the swivel. And until next time, let's do something that's going to make the future proud. Let's live extraordinarily. And I'm out. Peace. One. Love. Deuce.